Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives in the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, Real Lifers. Welcome to episode 147. I'm sure by now you've all watched The Housewife and The Hustler on Hulu. And my God, I mean, we knew most of the facts, right? Those of us who've been following this case, but to see them all laid out for us in this presentation, it just felt so icky, you know? I I felt awful that you know, Tom had been getting away with us and Erica had been profiting, whether she knew it or not, off of these victims. Um, It was just really sad, sad to see and to hear about. But I was kind of invigorated by the, the two women who really exposed Tom Girardi that were featured in the documentary. One who was the mother of um, her son suffered very severe burns in the PG&E explosion um, back about 10 years ago. And the other unfortunately lost her son in a motorcycle accident. But these two women had been friends since they were children and helping each other out. And one of them had worked for Tom Girardi at Girardi Keys supporting some of his work for about seven or eight years. And so they were able to kind of piece together this lawsuit against him. And it's amazing what a mother's love can do and what these two best friends can do together. And I hope justice will be served. And I am here kind of watching it all play out. But it's going to be interesting the next few weeks to see how the other women on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills react to some of the information that comes out because while we're watching them, I guess now it's, I guess, November 2020, you know, they don't have necessarily all the information that we have right now in June 2021. So we'll have to kind of see as some of the information gets out, you know, who's asking questions, who's just blindly supporting Erica, you know, all of that. It was pretty funny, though, to see Garcelle on this week's episode be the only one to actually say out loud, you know, why didn't she just wait to divorce him? <laughs> Love Garcelle. In other fraud news, Jen Shaw's attorneys are asking the judge to dismiss the fraud case against her. They also allege that she did not mean to waive her Miranda rights when she was arrested, um, saying that she was emotionally confused and that she couldn't see because her contacts were dry. I mean, what? What a steaming pile of shit. They have nothing else to go after besides dry eye. Oh, my God. It is going to be something to be watching The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City while simultaneously paying attention to the fraud case that is going to trial in mid-October. Does anyone listening know how long these types of trials go on for? Is it like a week or a couple of weeks? I'm just really curious to find out. Speaking of finding things out, we finally have an answer about the future of the Real Housewives of the OC. 
Kelly Dodd, Bronwyn, and Elizabeth Vargas are out, and fancy pants Miss Heather Dubrow is back. I get to talk about this uh, with my guests this week, and we also dive into family karma because I binged it in the last week, and I'm so excited to chat with them about it, and then also going into this week's Real Housewives of New York and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So this week, my guests are Artie and Noor from the Reality Is podcast. If you don't listen to them, what are you even doing? They are two of the most hilarious and insightful podcasters that talk about all things Bravo. They cover almost every Bravo show, so you definitely need to check them out. I think you guys are really going to enjoy our chat. As always, if you like the podcast, be sure to give it a five-star rating and write a review, and be sure to follow me on social media at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram and Twitter and sometimes in Clubhouse. I always love hearing from you guys. Thanks to all the nice messages about World Refugee Day this week. I um, always like to commemorate it by donating to HIAS, which is an organization that helped to resettle my father in the United States, and they do a lot of really important work resettling other refugees in the United States. So if you are interested, um, I'll put a link in the notes um, about donations to Hyas. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. And without further ado, here is my chat with Artie and Noor. Hi, everyone. I am here with the famous Artie and Noor from the Reality Is podcast. They are so hilarious. They are my Deshi sisters. Do I call it Deshi or Desi? Desi. 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 I say it wrong all the time. Desi sisters. (laughs) Well, that makes sense because you've told us that you were in Bangladesh. Bangladesh. So in Bangladesh, it is Deshi. Oh, yeah. Everyone said that back in in Dhaka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. In Bangladesh, it is Deshi. Oh, I was like, did I get it wrong for like the last 13 years? Or no. 12. <laughs> no, no, no. In, Bengal, in Bangla, it is Deshi. Okay, okay. I'm not incorrect. <laughs> so these are my Desi sisters. Um, and I am so excited to have you guys on to talk Yay. Bravo. Yeah, oh. we've been planning this for so long, haven't we? <laughs> I know. I'm one of those weirdos who plans everything very far in advance. So please do not judge. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally not judge we're we're it, it's like music to our ears we love yeah, when we somebody is super that. organized yeah <laughs> we appreciate that a lot <laughs> I live and die by my calendar so I very much uh mm-hmm. empathize with Crystal Minkoff because when she talked about like her like love of planning it's not mm. love for me it's just a compulsion like I have to know what's happening when yeah it's you know it's hard enough out there to be a woman it's mm-hmm. like the one thing we can do is control our time and our energy and like put it into, you know, making sure that our time is like put into the best use. So all of these housewives like Tiffany or Crystal that are like, I love an Excel spreadsheet and I love a calendar. I'm like, well, oh, we could be best friends. Yes, I very <laughs> or, much you know, am with that. Or have your po- co-podcaster control your calendar because that's what <laughs> happened with me. I was out gardening and I was like knee deep in my in my vegetable garden and all of a sudden my phone pinged and it's like Mandy at six o'clock. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much, Noor, for putting it on my calendar. You're welcome. Because I would have absolutely forgotten about it. Listen, I'm not a Virgo for nothing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so before we get into this week's Housewives, I had to chat with you guys about the real Housewives of the OC. We had a lot happening this week. I mean, what what are your overall thoughts? Claw hands is back. <laughs> Claw hands is back. I, you know, I again, I'm an A type. I love. I don't say I'm not going to say I love rules. I enjoy structure. I like when things are neat, when they're nicely displayed. I love the color black. I love like I love everything Heather Dubrow is about. I, I know that people find her very. Um, clawing which is funny because we call her claw hands because of the way she moves her hands from watch crappens but it, it, i know people find her very cloying but she is very um to me she's like she's just the epitome of what like a fancy housewife feels like but she's not one who feels completely out of touch she seems like in touch with the world in a way that might be centering her but I like the way she centers herself you know what I mean like you love her if you want to see like I just <laughs> love her and I mean she has the control she has a control over etiquette and class in a way that I think Luann used to imagine she did when she was a countess but it was like mm-hmm. actually Heather Dubrow is doing it right you know what I mean yeah 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 no, definitely and and like Luann Heather Dubrow is also educated oh yeah <laughs> And articulate. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually articulate. Um, yes. You know, I think uh, I'm just super excited because we didn't watch OC last season. I barely watched the season before. I just really fell out. I, I'll be honest, for me, I stopped watching OC when um, Vicky faked Vicky and what's his face? Uh, Brooks Ayers. Brooks, yeah. They faked cancer. I, I That's when I started to like really get out of the show. I was like, I can't watch this anymore. Um, so I would watch it here and there in passing. But I did not watch. I don't think I've watched any really of Gina. I think the season that Gina came on and I was like, okay, I'm from the Northeast. And like, I, I know a lot of people from Long Island. But like, you're doing too much. And I, that's what I like. I just like really fell out with OC. So um, Heather's one of my favorites. And I'm really excited for her to be back. I think the reason that they kept Emily and Gina is because they became real life friends. And the show last year, which I watched, (laughs) was it felt so forced. It felt like there weren't real friendships. Like it wasn't like they were a group that was meant to hang out together. Mm -hmm. And it felt so much more fractured and forced than any of the other franchises. And mm-hmm. individually, some of them had really interesting things happening, but together it didn't mesh. And mm-hmm. so what I'm hoping Heather brings is more cohesiveness and them mm-hmm. actually vibing as a group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think also, even though Heather, I think one of the reasons why Heather finally, it, it, even when she was in the show, there were definitely feelings where it was like, okay, Heather's not really friends with any of these people. But she's like there to do her job. But even though we always say Housewives is better when you have real friendships or real relationships shown on screen, the only reason it still work with Heather Dubrow is just because she's she's so good. <laughs> she's so fun to watch. Like it's so fun to watch her sit in the corner and make judgmental eyes at these people. And like her little snide remarks, her confessional scenes are always really on point. Her fashion is always on point. And she's just so like... She's so a type that it's still fun to like watch that one sort of like class 
like like you know she's like the head girl if it was hogwarts she would be the head girl like that's what she <laughs> totally is, <you> know? totally <laughs> I, <laughs> heather just i think she had a real friendship with tamra and with megan king edmonds oh so that felt real it's just i don't know where oc went so wrong mm-hmm. and i think it might have been kelly's casting mm-hmm. and i liked kelly when she came on i thought she was like me you too know, interesting mm-hmm. vivacious it was interesting to see like her style versus heather's uptightness like yes. that was an interesting dynamic i didn't realize how much of a loose cannon she was yes. and how I mean, it's just, it's not entertaining. It's actually kind of vile. And it just, I think it took the viewers a while to figure that out. And Mm -hmm. it all was on display this week on social media as, you know, she (laughs) is going in on Bronwyn and then on Gigi from Shaw's and just like burying herself. Everything she posts makes her look worse. And she doesn't even seem to get it. No. No. And, you know, I think sometimes the the danger of putting somebody on reality TV, even when they're bad, is that you end up reinforcing their bad, right? Like you end up making them think that their behavior is actually tolerable in the real world. What we find entertaining on TV where you're, you're absolutely right. It was so fun to watch Kelly be so crass against a Heather Dubrow who was like so uptight and so proper. It was really fun to see that. But at some point it's, I think Kelly started to feel like, oh, that's what people like. That's what I am. That's my personality. And or sorry, Kelly. Yeah, did I say Heather? I mean Kelly. At some point, Kelly started to just become the person, like the villain part of her just started to take over. And hell, it could that could just be who she is. Who knows? That I, might I think be it just is who she is. And I think Heather could tell right away. Yeah, like, right. I'm gonna exit stage left. This like this yeah. isn't for me. But the I, rest of us, it took a while. Yeah, I think we. I think what uh, Heather probably experienced Kelly in a way that none of us experienced on TV. I think uh, there might have been indications of this is who Ke- uh, Kelly is, and Heather saw her for being, the, you know, to be frank, racist uh, that she was, <laughs> and that, and I think that bothered Heather, and so she didn't want to be associated with that. She knew this was going to be um, a terrible runaway train that she didn't want to be on, and she wanted to be out of that. But it is, uh, it has been fun to watch Gigi really massacre <laughs> Kelly. I'm like, who knew Gigi had that in her? Right. That she was going to be the, you know, Gigi of all people is trying to start a feud with Heather, also oh, with Kelly, and watch her go at Kelly has been absolutely funny. <laughs> it, it, it feels like, um, did you watch Game of Thrones, Mandy? No, but I read the books. Oh, well. All right. (laughs) It was too much to actually watch it. That's interesting because that's the reason why I haven't finished the books. But (laughs) because it's too much. But it's kind of, I mean, so I'm sure you know what happened at the end, right? I made it through four books. Oh, okay. So maybe that wasn't the end. (laughs) Oh, okay. Then I'm not going to say I printed out, you know that. Westeros or whatever they have this map in the book so that you know what's going on so I printed out the map of like the Game of Thrones map on an 11 by 17 piece of paper at work so that I I could have it with me when I was reading so I would know where they were 
Yeah. Okay, I love that, and <laughs> we're best friends so because dorky. that's great. Because yeah. every I did time that, I did, I, would... the, I did that with Lord of the Rings, and I did that with Game of Thrones. I did that too. Okay, <laughs> but Lord of the Rings, that map came in handy towards the end. Westeros, not so much. No, every it was just very out there. It's not my typical genre, but people were like, yeah. "It's really good. It's really good," and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in." <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, do, we, well, do you was, want it? Well, I, I was gonna know. say I don't even know how to go about. Should I tell her the ending? Just tell me. Should I not? Okay. Tell well, her? so here's the thing: the White Walker. Okay, I'm not gonna say who. I can't, I feel bad. John I feel Snow? bad, Mandy. No. Oh. <laughs> so who? Arya Stark ends up killing the Night King. Okay. Okay. That Gigi coming in and killing <laughs> Kelly Dodd feels like Arya jumping in and killing the Night King because it was like, oh shit, nobody expected this. <laughs> oh my god, did she have that so kill amazing. List? What didn't Arya have a kill list? Yeah, I feel I feel so bad, Mandy. I feel like I ruined so much for you. you no, you work. didn't. You I like out a map. <laughs> I haven't read it in like ten years. <laughs> oh, okay, so you're fine. Okay, at yeah. this point, it's like this com- is a long yeah, time okay. ago. <laughs> Okay, good. Yeah, how do you even step out of your house and not know what that means? <laughs> this is like a spoiler alert that you run into a spoiler alert. I think it just, there corner. was like too much blood and too much incest. And I was like, you know what? I I think I might go into like another genre at this point. You know, that's like, not a I'm bad idea. Yeah. And this was yeah. long before it was um on the show. And so yeah. I watched like the first episode of the show and I was like, ooh, now I remember why I stopped reading the <laughs> You were like, oh, yikes. This is why I watch Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're right. But this is what it feels like. This is I what mean, Gigi it is also doing. Feels vaginal, like. You, you yeah. prefer a vaginal rejuvenation storyline. Yes. <laughs> Or a massacre like what happened on the OC. I mean, that is our version of a red wedding. There you go. (laughs) I just took off. Like, you know, three housewives just killed off. Yeah. Hmm. Amazing. Because we've never seen a shakeup that big since Roni when it was like Jill. Yeah. Yeah, it was like season four or five when it was Mm -hmm. like Jill. um, Luann was... Luann was a friend of one season, yeah. which is insane to me. But like yeah. we had L- the Countess as a friend of. We Bethany got rid of left. Jill. We got rid of Alex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was bad. It's so, a big so, shakeup. Uh, one of yeah. the things that I am wondering, because Heather doesn't have a natural ally friend in the current cast. Mm. Um, she has a nemesis in uh, Shannon Bedore, but she doesn't have an ally. So I'm wondering if the uh, the other women that are being added to are going to be more Deborah De- uh, Deborah's De- uh, friends. Yes, mm. I have heard that. I have no oh. idea if what I've heard is true, but I've also heard that Bronwyn's best friend Noella is mm-hmm. also being cast. Oh wow! And mm. so uh, from Bronwyn, she said this. She basically okay. said, "I'm really happy for her, but I'm sad for me." Mm. And that's kind of interesting. They chose her best friend, but not her, because they're always pictured together online. Mm. So we'll see what what ends up happening. Were you guys surprised by Bronwyn's exit as well? I think you go first. No, I, I, it was a non-story for me. 
Mm-hmm. I did not even, uh, I didn't, it didn't even um, register until Bronwyn sent that text message to Kelly and Kelly posted something about it. And that's when, oh, Bronwyn got <laughs> cut too. I, I, it was almost like I would, I, because I, maybe because we didn't watch last season, we, we, I almost forgot Bronwyn was even there. So was that was my Bronwyn heavy season. Yeah. And it, so we didn't watch and it. it was so it didn't make a difference to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, I wasn't surprised because I know that it was one, I know it was a Bronwyn heavy season and it seemed like people didn't really love that. But I also think that Bravo was kind of turned off by the stories of Bronwyn sort of being in like the tabloids or the press, like every two days doing something. And it, I think a lot of people called her out for, potentially calling um, the paparazzis to get her to take pictures. And I don't think Bravo ever likes that stuff. Bravo is really against when housewives start to sort of create these separate, like become these separate entities on their own. And unless you're somebody like a Bethany, but like Bronwyn's been on the show for what, two seasons. So I don't think that they would have really liked that. I, I would, I'm so in that regard, I'm not really that surprised that Bronwyn was uh, let go. But I feel bad for Elizabeth War- Vargas because I had seen um, somebody posted saying, oh, Elizabeth, like it was like a tweet or something of her saying like, oh, good news on the way or something. So people started to say that Elizabeth's contract was renewed and then it wasn't. <laughs> well, she oh, thought huh? it was. She thought, yeah. <laughs> I think they all really thought that they were getting renewed because they were in talks about filming. Yeah. And then, but you have to do that, right? If you're running the production company, you have to make them think they're coming back and you have to make them, you know, clear their calendars for yeah. filming so that just in case it all, you know, comes together that they're ready. But, you know, I don't know. The Bronwyn stuff is very bizarre. I mean, the subject matter on its own should have been interesting to watch, but Mm -hmm. it didn't feel interesting. It felt like she wasn't in the right place to film. And maybe Mm -hmm. she is right now, but during that time, she couldn't forge any real connections with the women. Mm -hmm. And you can't blame that all on politics or social issues because, you know, these women have made friends with people who are liberal before and, and you just can't blame it all on that. So I really think there was space for Gina and Bronwyn to become close Mm -hmm. uh, and it didn't happen. And Gina would call her on her shit and Bronwyn just couldn't handle being called out about lying about things and not making sense and, you know, her narcissism. So I think it's probably better that, it's that she's of, off. Sometimes it's hard to understand what how Bravo picks these women, right? Because Bronwyn brought, if you think about storyline and viewership, Bronwyn brought a storyline last season. But Gina has been for two seasons, much like Cynthia Bailey, hasn't brought a lot of <laughs> lot yeah. of storyline. She's just there. And Last season, it was much more about her reclaiming the narrative about what happened with domestic violence mm-hmm. and her, you know, actually testifying and having an impact statement. Oh, okay. So that yeah. was, I think, an interesting and, you know, mm-hmm. and we actually got to see her ex-husband 
film oh, with wow. her and with his new girlfriend and she's with her new boyfriend and then she has three kids her boyfriend had three kids they all live oh, in wow. a very 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 small townhouse um, where so, she has lit candles everywhere it is i have no idea how it's working and i mean i I thought about them so much throughout COVID. I was like, oh. I think I have more square feet than she has with her boyfriend and six children. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and I don't live in, I live in a two bedroom apartment in Washington, DC. So um, it's going to be real interesting to see her connect with uh, Heather Debro and all of that. But you know what? She's the only one that owns her house outright. Oh, that's very exciting. Um, how do you feel about Shannon? Um, I don't know. I mean, Shannon was so interesting to watch when there was more going on, but I'm a little over her narrative. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of want to see her be a bit more together. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel. Never happening. It's never happening. Never happening. (laughs) Yeah. I think she's That's just not in just, she's just not never able seen her to. All together. Yeah. No. No, and she's uh, we said it this week on our podcast that she's our favorite neurotic. Like she's just so it, there's just something that is absolutely hysterical to me about a person who's always like, I'm so fun. I'm so fun. I'm so cool. I'm so chill. I'm so fun. I'm the fun one. And then immediately like two episodes in, she's like just bawling her eyes out. Yeah. What I did appreciate about her when she first came on OC was she sort of came in like a buttoned up fancy pants. Like if Heather Dubrow was like your East Coast sort of fancy Jewish lady vibe, then Shannon was your waspy, wealthy blonde from OC. You know, like it was like this, these two very fancy buttoned up ladies. And what was interesting to watch with Shannon back then was watching her sort of crack at the seams again of like putting up this exterior of being like so proper and then falling apart. And the thing was Shannon's first season, every time she freaked out, I feel like she had good reason to freak out. Like she felt like everybody was talking about her because Mm -hmm. they were. I think the problem was Shannon didn't realize that that's what you do on the show. People talk about you and then that's how you make the story go. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, now every season after that it's been shannon comes in every season saying that she's gonna be fun and then she immediately starts to cry and it's just it's just so funny to watch and it's crazy because i know if i knew her in real life i would never think it was funny i would feel so sad for her but to me it's just like shannon you are a mess yeah, in real life, we would vacillate being between being super annoyed and super sad for her. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm exhausted it, by those kind when of you, people. Yeah, when you would be exhausted <laughs> yeah. being yeah. her friend, but uh, in on TV, it's hilarious. It's hilarious yeah. to watch her just just traverse through all of those emotions <laughs> and not really do very well in any one of those emotional planes. She's yeah. not. She's not good at being happy. She's not good at being sad. She's not good at any of the emotional <laughs> plays. So that that makes us makes her to be a very uh, compelling reality TV character. Yes, yeah, <laughs> she is. She's definitely compelling. But my God, is it exhausting? Um, <laughs> I wanted to briefly touch on family karma before we mm-hmm. get into Roni this week because I have just binged all of family karma. I am 100% caught up. 
I couldn't make it through it last season. I just, that first episode where Anisha and her family were talking about, you know, her being a certain age and needing to have kids and should she freeze her eggs and you never know when menopause is coming. And I was like, this is the most triggering conversation Mm -hmm. I could watch on television. I'm going to shut this off. Like, I can't do this. And I was like, if this whole show is going to be like people talking to their children about the importance of getting married and having babies, then like, I don't think I can do it. (laughs) Yeah. But I took a year to regroup and I came back and I very much enjoyed it. Oh, we're so glad. The, that yeah. conversation is super triggering. And I think, um, and unfortunately, very much the reality for a lot of women in South Asian community, a lot of Welcome women in the our world. lives, is what yeah. I was going to say. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. it's so much my internal narrative because yeah. I'm single and I have a fertility issue. And mm-hmm. so all of that, like, you know, I went through the egg freezing. Um, it yeah. didn't go very well because no. of my fertility issue. So to see her, like, go through it and get you know, 11 eggs. I'm like, God damn you. Oh, I understand. <laughs> and your mom's doing your shots. Are you effing kidding me? Do you know how many needles I went through? My entire stomach was black and blue. You're finding like oh. new pieces of flesh to inject yourself. <laughs> but um, it is very sweet seeing like all the families. And I love the aunties. Love. Yeah, and it's actually you bring up such a good point because one of the things that we really like about even Anisha's storyline when we when she talks about freezing her eggs or her going starting a date, these aren't conversations that are facilitated in most South Asian families. Mm-hmm. You're not able to just go tell your mom, "I'm going to freeze my eggs and I need you to give me some shots." Mm-hmm. If you tell your mom, "I'm going to freeze my eggs for good reason," you know, um, they will just they'll be like why are you doing that like why don't you just marry blah 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 and like they really freak out over it they there's a lot of emphasis on things happening naturally and like it's funny that they always want things to happen naturally but then we'll also like force you to marry some douchebag because <laughs> because they want you know those those check boxes or whatever those things to like be checked off but these are conversations that are very typical in South Asian families. So I actually really like that Anisha showing a side of things where it's like, you can have these conversations with your parents and they might not maybe agree with it at first. Like even her mom said something like I wasn't on board before, but you know, it's fine. Like who knows what'll happen in a couple of years and all this stuff. So it's, it, there are probably if a girl who wants to get freezer eggs, she might be doing it alone. She, you know, she, might have the experience that you've just talked about is probably more typical, but it's nice sort of inspiration for any adults that are adults. I mean, we're all adults, elders that are watching that to be like, oh, you can also have these conversations with your kids where these are normal things. And the least you can do is just support them. Yeah, no. And it's interesting because, you know, my dad is from the Soviet Union. And so it's not like he knows anything about any of this. And, (laughs) and so he, he talked to me about egg freezing as the harvest, right? He's like, how is your egg harvest? (laughs) And I would be like, oh, we have this many follicles. He's like, ah, bountiful. (laughs) I was like, if it was bountiful, I wouldn't be going through this process, dad. And he was like, no, nonsense. They're perfect. (laughs) You know, and then then you have to have the conversation where like, it's not perfect. Actually, this Mm. is not working, you know, and he's like, it'll be fine. Yeah. But we've had like a lot of interesting conversations about, you know, 
like using egg donors and these different things. And he's just like, wow, you can do that? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It's cool. Yeah, it's really interesting yeah. Yeah. to see. So, so um, yeah, so when, when Family Karma first, we heard that coming on, uh, and I remember Noor and I going back and forth on how nervous we were about <laughs> And anxious we were about what this is going to be about. It's going to be a lot of focus on arranged marriages. And then it's going to open up all everybody commenting on how, how unnatural that is. And how if we, you know, people not understanding our culture and it's going to open up a lot of doors to people saying things that would trigger us. But I have to say that the show was actually very, very well filmed it's a good balance of the traditional versus the modern and, you know, our more normal American versus the um, Desi cultures and how they have adjusted to being here and to the newer generation and what they feel like. And that is something that is very heartening to watch as women that have, you know, that have gone through that. We were sort of in the cusp of it. So we were, we are the aunties, right? So the aunties on the show went through that so their kids could have the freedom to be whoever they wanted to be. And that is, that is a very heartening to watch because that's who I identify with the aunties because they are the ones that went through a lot of the judgment and a lot of the issues. Uh, and they must have gone through the same thing. Anisha's mother probably went through a similar uh, you know, judgmental process, which is why she's much more understanding of Anisha. And she's not mm-hmm. letting, she's not transferring what she went through to yes. her child. And that is yes. something that Noor and I co- are very conscious of as we, um, we have, we have our kids and we are raising our kids. We are very conscious of not bringing our um, experience, our negative experiences into their lives and affecting yeah. them. It's so interesting. I had a couple questions for you about the show. Mm -hmm. So the the first is so that are all the majority of the people on the show from a very specific region within India. No, they're actually from all over India. Okay. So, it's Anisha, so funny. We were just talking Hindu. about this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we were all talking. We were talking about this because um, Arthi is South Indian, and I'm um, Pakistani, but my family comes from North India. And even on the show, you know, just this last episode, they were doing Garba, which is a North Indian, West specifically Indian. Gujarat or Northwest <laughs> Indian, Gujarati uh, way of celebrating Navratri. But Navratri is done very differently. And it, and I think you you mentioned that Anisha's family, the, yeah, Ramakrishna. So you, Mandy might have experienced Durga Puja in Bangladesh. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's how... That's how Banglas do it. It's the same Navratri, but it's called Durga Puja there. Oh, I didn't okay. know that. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities, even with the um, marriage stuff, like the engagement ceremony. I yeah. went to, um, it wasn't an engagement. It was like, maybe it was an engagement ceremony. It was like it was like a month before the wedding. And mm-hmm. you uh, do dances and present gifts to the bride and groom. And then there's this like turmeric paste and you put oh. on their forehead and then they put it on yours although mine like (laughs) dyed my skin and I looked like I had highlighter on my skin for like five days afterwards (laughs) 
That's what we wanted to do to no our big brown deal. skin. No, we, it dyes our skin too, but it gives oh, us a golden glow. Yeah, glow. no, everyone else looks beautiful. <laughs> I looked like someone had just like painted on my face with highlighter. <laughs> I, I didn't fit in in any situation, um, but everyone was so nice by inviting me to their life events. These are like coworkers that I, <laughs> you know, I had no idea what was going on, but it was really cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, so what you're actually describing is like the updan or my, we in Pakistan, we call it a mayu in, um, but it's like the updan, the haldi, the halud, they usually halud. call it. That was it. Okay. In Bangladesh, yeah. they call it halud. Yeah. Um, and so I think the regions, I think we, we think that we know that Bali and Vishal's family are Sindhi. Um, and actually Sindhi people come from Pakistan. They were probably, they lived in Pakistan before partition. Because they're Sindh in Pakistan. And then they migrate to India. They migrated to India. Okay. Because I don't they, I don't even know if they are truly fully Hindus because they have their own kind of religious stuff as well. But they're I don't Uelal think I think and all that, right? So I don't know. Yeah, but I think uh, Vishal's family definitely is Hindu. Is Hindu. Yes. And so is Bali's family. Yeah. But um we think that they're Sindhi, but they're still North Indian probably. And the Ramakrishna, so Anisha's family seems South Indian to us. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Man- Monica is Gujarati, probably, and maybe Punjabi, which yeah. is North Indian. Yes. And so is R- Risha is Punjabi. Punjabi. Yes. And so I was wondering if some of the tension between Risha's mom and and any of that – is any of that potentially cultural or is it just because she thinks – that Vishal is a moron. Well, it could be both. Um, <laughs> but I think actually, it's mostly the moron. moron. Yeah, that's what I, I think figured, but I, you never know. I yeah, think it's we, not even sometimes. about Vishal. It's not yes. about really about yeah. Vishal. It's about her not getting, because she's divorced, she has certain things, right? So she is not, she's a single woman. And so she is feels she probably experienced a lot of um, um, issues in the Indian community because she was divorced. And so now she is sensitive to certain things. She's sensitive to disrespect Mm -hmm. or perceived disrespect. Mm -hmm. And I feel like she is being disrespected. She feels disrespected by his family. Mm -hmm. And in our culture, the families respecting each other. And showing the right amount of respect plays a huge role in the actual wedding marriage kind of um, conversation, right? So that becomes, that takes over a lot of those conversations. They are not being respected. And I think if she were married and if Richa's dad was in the picture, this would be a totally different kind of situation because uh, Vishal's parents would definitely be inviting them over and not disrespecting them or talking back or any of that. So mm-hmm. um, there is the sense of, uh, I feel that there's there's a sense in Lopa that she's not being respected because of that, even though it's not quite said in the show. Yeah, and that yeah. makes that, sense. That I think is the bottom line. It's not even to do with Vishal really. Her her problem is with is the parents. family. That's what I thought, too. You know, what's interesting is in Yiddish, it's the only language that has a word for your children's in-laws. Oh. Because that you're supposed to have a relationship with them. 
And so it's called, it's like a bizarre word because everything in Yiddish, it's the machatunim. We have that too, right? We have something. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, we see something, something. Uh, yeah, something, something. Yeah. Yeah. We have that word too. We have a word. Our relation, words for relationships are pretty specific. We know yeah. who you're talking about when yeah. you talk about them. Because those relationships, you're absolutely right, are important. They're and I important. think that people keep thinking that it's, oh, Vishal is a putz. I think we we said this. If uh, Richa tomorrow was to run away and marry Vishal, they were to elope. I don't think Lopa would care because she knows that her daughter is probably going to be fine. I think some of the conversations that they're not saying out loud um, when Richa is saying to Vishal, like, I need you to grow up. I need you to get off your ass, blah, 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 all these things. I think it's because we know that Vishal is coddled at home. Um, He is probably not being really told to do much by his parents and he probably, and it's possible that when Richa says, you know, your mom doesn't do X, Y, and Z for my mom, Vishal's not speaking up to his parents and telling his parents to tr- treat their mom, her mom better, you know? And I think that might be some of it is you're not stepping up for me and my family. So why is my mom going to invite you to our house in Memphis? Why would my mom tell you that we bought a condo in Miami? Also, we think the condo in Miami is a big deal because Vishal's mom owns a real estate company. And so this is why they need to have a reunion because there are so many pieces that like are missing. And if you look online, the general consensus is, oh, Vishal shouldn't be told that he's not good enough. You know, Rish is a bitch. Uh, Like Auntie Lopa is, is a bitch. They all need to like leave Vishal alone. He needs to find someone who respects him. Like that's, you know, I was searching because I was like, am I crazy? Like, there's something else going on <laughs> yeah. that feels that I don't see. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. But it what the narrative that we're being told doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up for what yeah. I've seen on the screen. Yeah. Our people tend to talk in um, in sub- subtext. Mm-hmm. A, lot a lot of, of subtext. <laughs> a lot of code and a lot of subtext. A lot of reading, uh, talking, uh, you know, uh, listening between the lines, between mm-hmm. conversation. What do you really mean by that and why that was said? Because nobody speaks directly and to the point, except for Lopa. I think Lopa is the one that does speak uh, directly and to the point, which is why they don't like her. Yeah. It, it, she comes off as rude to them because she's not being respectful in you know, you if you are re- truly respectful, you're supposed to beat around the bush and not really address the issue. <laughs> so this, yes, the subtext. I have a question. Then, what's the subtext from season one between Brian and Monica, and why was everyone so frustrated with Monica? Oh, I can talk about this. Oh, so, yes. Oh, no. This is Noor's favorite <laughs> topic to talk. I just about. had a sip of water, and I can't wait. So the thing with Monica is, okay, I grew up here for the most part, and. There is a type of girl that puts on a front of being very proper and, you know, a goody two-shoe, does all of the cultural things, is really sweet to the aunties and all that stuff, and does this, is really, really concerned about her reputation and what people are going to say and how they're going to react to her doing something. And what happened with Brian and Monica, I believe, is they may have maybe hooked up in the past and... And by the way, when I say hooked up for South Asians, it means like they probably had like a heavy makeout session. Okay. Yeah. That's what I assumed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, when you, when we met Monica last season, she did a lot of like, I don't drink. I'm a vegetarian. I live at home. I do the traditional thing. And, you know, Brian is my friend and yeah, I used to like Brian, but now I'm not like really into him, but like, it's a lot of, um, this sort of coded way of talking about herself that kind of, it's a mixture of two things. One, I think she's presenting herself to be a certain way because she's very concerned about the way she comes off on TV and her reputation. But in a, in a way, what, what gets frustrating with folks like Bali and Anisha is they're coming on the show being very honest about who they are. They're being very open about who they are. Yes, they drink. Yes, they've had boyfriends. They're not virgins. Like, it's not a big deal. And it's confusing to them because... It's like we're all we understand if you want to hide that stuff in front of like the aunties and uncles because we don't talk about that in front of them. But you're on a reality TV show now and you're still pretending to be somebody that you were maybe when you were 14 and we're like all in our 30s almost, you know, and it's time for you to be actually real about who you are. So you'll you'll notice that this season, as soon as the season started, episode one, uh, mm-hmm. we see we mo- meet Monica and she makes a statement immediately about I have a boyfriend and yeah, sometimes I spend the night here at his apartment. Like I've slept over here and I'm going to go to Brian's party and I'm going to have a shot. Like she made. Yeah. Okay. So since I just watched season one and then it started season two, I was like, wait, what happened? I thought she didn't drink. Like why? Yeah. Does she like definitely don't drink or she just not get drunk? Like what is, what is going on? Her boyfriend says he wants to make, uh, he wants to cook meat and she's like, not in my house, not, not yeah. that dad is coming over, you know? So yeah, it's she's like, like oh, geez. we're vegetarian. Like, it's still a lot of, like, Monica pretending, putting up a front of who she is. Okay. And it's frustrating because for South Asian girls, we grew up with so many girls who are like that, who put up a front of who they are in front of the aunties and uncles, but on the low are just like the rest of us, you know, uh, like, well, what's the word I'm looking for? hoodlums I guess I don't know like the rest of us who are just like doing bad things too it's just it's frustrating also because it's like it's one thing to be that way when you're like in high school but when you're also like when you're like an adult you're in your 20s or 30s it's kind of like okay you you can drop that thing now so you can drop that back now it's yeah. okay you don't, I don't have think the aunties expect it to get the yeah there's no more no more uh you know brownie points for you to earn you just now it, the other thing is that they are also probably tired of being compared to yes. how she is and say, oh, why aren't you? That's uh, what more, I thought it was. Yeah, like, with the morally yeah, sure. superior attitude. Monica was close with Anisha's mom. And mm-hmm. that was what I thought was annoying, where Anisha's mom was saying really nice things about Monica, but not saying those nice things about her daughter. And I was mm-hmm. like, this might have more to do with how your mom talks about Monica than how Monica mm-hmm. talks about herself. Right. And I think that that's totally true because – Monica put but the moms talk about Monica that way because Monica presents herself a very specific way in front of the aunties and they know that there might be something else that's happening with Monica and Brian which if Monica wants to keep that under wraps more that's fine more power to you you want to be quiet about it but then don't come on a reality tv show anything that was that's the other layer on top of it which is like um they're all on camera and they're all talking about who they really are. Uh, also, Anisha and Vishal are the reason the show is even here. So Vishal tried to make the show, but then it wasn't until Anisha joined 
that Bravo really picked it up. So I think that's probably the other thing Anisha was annoyed with was like, you're only on the show because of me. You, you're not being nice to me. And you also are pretending to be somebody that you're not. So I think that's some of the tension. And I definitely think some of it is like Anisha having what I call a private experience, which is like she probably feels like Monica being this way is ruining her relationship with her mother or creating tension with her mother. But that's like an Anisha problem and not really. That's sort of what I I was like. You need to take this up with your mom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Tell your mom to stop like, you know, just praising this other girl in front of you and then saying not nice things about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. You know, but... That's so interesting. Okay, I'm going to keep, like, texting you guys about this, like, separately. Because <laughs> um, I'm very into this now. I, I will say one more thing, though, about that Brian and Monica thing is that uh, season two, episode one, we meet Dharma. Keep, Brian's mom keeps saying, oh, Monica was a prick tease. Okay, here's where it's problematic is because they see moms will never, ever, ever accept that their sons could just be – rejected by a woman Mm -hmm. it has to be that like it's the girl's fault and she must have done something and who is gonna reject my son not my Mm -hmm. son not my perfect brian which by Mm -hmm. the way brian is perfect but like (laughs) you know how could it be my son and he must not and poor thing like she led him on but it's like brian doesn't even care that much yeah (laughs) like it's fine he just wanted somebody named monica he found another monica (laughs) yeah and she's a doctor Doctor. shouldn't that mean more yeah that means a lot more in daisy homes yeah it's very (laughs) in jewish homes too everyone wants a doctor (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, you know, I sometimes think like, what we should want a carpenter, an electrician, a carpet. Those are the more useful. (laughs) I agree. We need to have some tradesmen in our family. Enough of these doctors and lawyers. No, not enough in in our family. Not in my family. We have in our my brother's in laws. uh, Is was a general contractor. He knows answers to everything. We need. We need a doctor. We need a veterinarian. <laughs> what is this rash? How serious do I need to take this? Yeah, in my family, we need more. Uh, we need more tradesmen. We don't want uh, doctors and lawyers. Yeah, so. most of the time in like uh, Daisy families, you have like one uncle who is really good at like hanging things up, has a yes. toolbox. Yes. All that stuff. So my mom, my family, like my actual media family, my mom's brother is that uncle. And it's so funny because I have like relatives that he lives in Maryland. And we have relatives like between my mom's house and some of my other cousins' houses. They have like, they're like. To do list. That- <laughs> Was there a car alarm in my house or somewhere else? Yeah. But like there's my cousins will have like a to-do list of like things will break. And they're like, no, we're just going to put it aside for whenever our uncle can come over and fix it. And during the pandemic, it got really bad because they were like, we don't know when these things are going to get fixed. (laughs) But my father-in-law who lives with us is that guy for everybody. And we used to live in Queens and we moved to Jersey and everybody in Queens was like, well, there's nobody around now. We have to pay somebody to come and do this because you took the one guy in our family who like hangs things up. (laughs) That's so funny. Do you guys have have sort of a thing where if you were when you were kids and you asked your mom oh I want to go camping or I want to buy this or I want to do something would your mom ever tell you like oh our culture like our people don't do that 
Yeah, because my mom and and some of it wasn't true. It was just things she didn't want to do or think (laughs) like so like I felt like I was lied to for so long. Like she would be like, oh, no, that's a Goisha thing to do. That's Goyish, you know, like and she would just come up with shit. And it wasn't even like the big thing is I wanted to go camping with my family. Yeah. And I grew up in Minnesota. You know, we yeah. would go camping at camp. A lot of my friends, the parents would take them fishing, camping, outdoor stuff. And my mom was like, one day we'll go and we'll stay at a like two star hotel. And we yeah. call that camping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just, she would just say, oh, Jews don't do that. No, no. Like all for so many things. And then I meet other Jews when I get older that don't grow up in Minneapolis. And it's like, oh, these Jews drink. These Jews do open bars at weddings. These Jews, like, <laughs> just like, oh. That's so funny. Yeah, it's uh, that's definitely a thing. Like, I was never allowed to sleep over anywhere at, growing yeah. up. And my mom was just like, we don't do that. And I never took, luckily for me, I never took it as a Pakistani thing. My mom definitely was just like, the rules in Islam are that we're not going to do the sleepovers. And then as I got older, I was like, no, the rules in our house are that you're not doing sleepovers, but it's not. But yeah, I mean, there's constantly restrictions that we're always like, you're not like other kids, so you can't do that. It's so funny that you're like. Yeah, so so even even now, like I have. I have um, there are many first generation Indians in my community, and my daughter is friends with them, and with their kids. And my I send my daughter to wherever she wants to sleep over. I'm like open and free with it. <laughs> like go, give me a night off. Just go and have a sleepover. Yeah. As long as you know, yeah, I, I'm comfortable with the family and the uh, friends group and all of that, but they don't send their kids over much. They're like, they still don't do the sleepover thing and send people over. <laughs> it's a, it's kind of like, no, we don't do that. We don't. Yeah. Do that. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> they don't even, um, I know, um, my daughter's best friend, she won't, she's Indian and she won't join the Girl Scouts because she doesn't want to do, she, her camping, overnight camping and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> week. All that is not going to be allowed. So it's going to be a lot of uh, events that she's going to miss anyway. So it's going to be hard for her to do. I think my moms were just flat out lies, though, because like her (laughs) uncle was the head of the Wisconsin Camping Association. (laughs) Like There is no way. And Jews like go to camp. Yeah, like I was just going to say. So like, I I think my mom was like, oh, if I send them to camp, then I won't have to do all these outdoorsy things with them. But then we'd yeah. come back and we'd want to experience it with our parents. Oh. And, you know, and I, my mom, I mean, <laughs> she didn't like horses. She didn't want horseback riding. She didn't like this. <laughs> Your mom sounds like me. <laughs> she just like didn't want to deal with it it was just like so overwhelming and and you know it was just so funny when like so funny. i got older and was like mom did we like why did you always say that like it was like only goys that go camping or only goys <laughs> that go like fishing <laughs> you know and she's like because goys go fishing look at this state <laughs> <laughs> who knows you could have been hanging out with luke I mean, like, I went to high school with a ton of Lukes. <laughs> he is so classically Minnesotan, like, and and nice, and, like, yeah. truly, like, a thoughtful person, you know? A lot, and, of, lot of people chopping woods, huh? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
There's people chopping wood. Like everyone has a cabin up north. Everyone. <laughs> so it's like you always say, "What are you doing this weekend?" Oh, we're going up north. And it's oh. like we live as far north as you can get in the continental United States. Yet everyone was going north all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Oh, there's so many weird Minnesota things, but my mom's whole thing was, well, we're Jewish, so we don't have to do yeah. all of that, you know, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so cute. I get it. Okay, let's jump into this week's Rony. Mm. So we get placed back on November 3rd. I mean, Ugh. that's not where this this starts out, this episode, but it's so interesting that Bravo was able to make it so that um, the Real Housewives of New York and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills both had their election parties mm-hmm. on the same week. I think that was quite brilliant because I think mm-hmm. if we had to deal with it at separate times, yeah. we would have like revolted. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. Like, Even this was kind of a little bit PTSD for me. It mm-hmm. it huh. was. I mean, I, I remember every detail of mm-hmm. like what happened on each day. And mm-hmm. then I remember exactly what was going on when the news broke, mm-hmm, you know? Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, they're on Pacific time. So like if it's lunch, then it must have broken around like 8.45 their time. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was wild. So the episode starts out with Leah continuing her tantrum. And I just don't even know what to do with Leah like I went on (laughs) I run on like a 10 minute you know tantrum myself about her um last (laughs) last week so we don't need to go into it too much but man was it painful to watch her just freak out at Heather and no one is telling her that she's acting inappropriately Mm -hmm. everyone is just accepting that she's acting out of pain yeah Uh, (laughs) oh And she's not. She's acting out of entitlement. She's acting out of being a brat is what she's acting out. She's a total brat. I feel for Leah's mom. Me too. I mean, to have this as their child (laughs) must be exhausting. Must be exhausting. Both of them. Yeah, both of them, actually. Even the younger one. She's just, they're just a handful. How did they end up like that with the mom so cool and calm? I do not understand that. Um, yeah, it, I agree with you both. It's definitely Leah's coming from a place of entitlement. But I also think that if you look at the way that Luann or Ramona even react to Heather versus, um, sorry, not Heather, uh, Ebony mm-hmm. versus Leah, it, it the difference is that Ebony is is saying things that make them feel bad about themselves and make that they know that it makes them look bad. Whereas Leah is saying things that only really make Leah look bad. So they tolerate more of Leah's behavior because ultimately they look like shining stars when Leah is acting like a piece of crap. So I think that's why they put up with it. I mean, it's kind of the same reason why they let Sonia go off the rails, where even though Sonia is coming from a place of pain uh, versus Leah, Leah might have some pain. But I think mostly it's entitlement. She feels a lot of time. She feels very entitled to behave the way that she does. But they allow this sort of erratic, crazy behavior um, because I think ultimately it makes them look yeah, like normal Yeah, I think New York ladies, New York ladies of all of the other franchises, New York ladies um, the most really, they um, 
they enjoy um not enjoy but they um they hide behind their cast members pain and suffering so they they're all messed up but they would rather have someone else in their cast go off the rails and then they feel like they are they are, they look less of a mess in yep. comparison and that's what they rely rely on to keep them keep their jobs from one season to another Yeah, they've done that. Sonia has been the butt of that for so many seasons, right? And I feel yeah. like now Sonia Ebony is trying way. to flip that, which yes. is really interesting to watch. Yes, and I appreciate their friendship very much. What I yeah, I think uh, Bethany yeah. tried to do it, but Bethany did it from a very selfish point of view, where she wanted some karma points. I think Be- Ebony is doing it in a, it's actually doing it in a much more productive and much more compassion. Yes. passionate way and I hope that helps Sonia because Sonia really if you think about it is a survivor she survived a lot mm-hmm. and so, um, so she needs to recognize that she has the strength she's actually the strong one amongst all of them she I knows when she she's too. going off the rails she knows when to go to Costa Rica and she, you know, she, just rec- these regroup women, and get whatever she needs and come back here these women are haunted Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I would describe the Real Housewives of New York. Right. Each one of them is haunted by something, yeah. by a marriage, by mm-hmm. whatever it is. And and it's it's crazy. But it's so wild to see the difference of how these women coddle Leah. And I don't think it's just because she's only making herself look bad. There's something, like youthful about her in which they view her almost as a child yeah and that they view ebony as a peer even though mm-hmm. ebony is younger in age than leah yeah and and i can't stand how ebony's grandmother is yeah. also dying at this moment not this fast decline that leah's mm-hmm. grandmother went through But nobody's checking in on her, seeing how she's feeling. Yeah. And that is just making me so frustrated. And she has to bring it up herself. You multiple know? times. <laughs> multiple times. And, she's, and again, be ignored multiple times. Like although, every time she brings it up, she's ignored. This and by time, the way, they seem sorry. to listen a little more, though, when, they, when she was talking about the Alzheimer's. Because yes. I think everyone, um, a lot of them have experience with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think what uh, the other thing is that Leah herself has not, we've not, or we've not seen it on camera, but Leah herself is not talking about Ebony's pain. Right. Every time Leah starts to yeah. cry and have a meltdown and Ebony's the only one by her side hugging her and making her feel better, Leah never stops to say, thank you for doing this. I know that you understand because your your grandmother's also sick. Yeah, it's It's also just... I mean, maybe it's because I've lost my mother, but like the lack of thought about for Leah about how this impacts her mom is just like so shocking to me. And, you know, Ebony hasn't lost her mom yet. She's concerned for her mom because her mom is losing her mom, right? Yeah. This is not as big of a deal for Leah as it is for Leah's mother. It's just not. This is not the woman who raised you. And yeah. so while you have a very deep relationship and connection, you are so fucking lucky that you have 38 years with your grandmother. Yeah. Very few people can say that they have that. Yes. And that your grandmother met your daughter. 
Your yeah. daughter met her great grandmother. That does not happen that often. No. So she's just, um, and I know when you're going through grief, it's impossible to have perspective in that way. But usually you can still think, oh my God, what can I do for my mom while this is happening? This must be really overwhelming for my mom. And her inability to do that, I, I will I, never I, get over. I, I think she was like, my mom says I don't need to come. And I was like, yes, if I were your mom, I would say the same thing. Because <laughs> exactly. I don't think you would be helpful. No, you're not, not going to be helpful. I will have to coddle you and your feelings instead of attending to my own feelings of losing my mother. I don't want you there. I don't yeah. want you there because you're going to be help, not helpful at all. I you're also, going to be selfish. Yeah, I also think that and this is just me. Um, maybe stirring shit up, maybe stir it up. Nor, all right. Here's the other thing: Leah is really out of her, out of sorts about the fact that her grandmother is dying and she's here and she can't go and all this stuff. And it seems to me like initially I thought, oh, it's because of COVID that her grandmother she can't go see her grandmother. But I think that there's something that's not being said, which is also why she's coming in so hot against Heather. Leah is ultimately also crying because she wants to hold on to her place in the cast. She wants to hold on to her job and her this platform that she's been given. And she knows that if she leaves a Hamptons set of, of episodes, which is very you know important for Roni, mm-hmm. if she's leaving the Hamptons episodes and she goes to be with her family and Heather Holla Thompson is there, Mm-hmm. Heather is basically subbing in for Leah. And I think Leah is too insecure and too feels too defensive of her spot on the cast to want to leave. So when we Ooh, see her freaking out funny. and crying, some of it is also obviously she's her grandmother's dying, but I think some of it is that she's just pissed that Heather is there and that Heather could potentially replace her. And that's also why she's yelling at Heather every given minute. And she's like complaining about Heather's cheer. You've never heard B aggressive like that's the most basic cheer ever and she's like where did she get that from what is that even it's like like leah you're just mad at heather because heather essentially reminds you of the of like the possibility that you could be replaced by somebody like that because a show like real houses of new york doesn't really have space for two people who sort of mirror each other in some do ways. Do you think that, oh, that's a good one, uh, Noor. Do you think that Heather was supposed to, Leah was supposed to not be at this particular um, trip? She wasn't going to be on because of her grandmother. And then the producer said, hey, it's okay. We'll send uh, we'll send Heather in instead. Ooh, and uh, Leah found out and then said, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to be there. I won't let Heather be there. And that's why Leah is so upset that Heather is there and that she has to miss out on her grandmother because she had to protect her job. I mean, that could be it. But Heather is also a straight shooter. Like she tells it like it is. And I don't think Leah can handle someone honestly talking about her because Heather's pointing out, Oh, you're not voting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're, you know, you didn't vote last time. Okay, you you know just these things that and Leah knows that looks bad. She knows yeah. that looks bad, but instead she attacks Heather rather than acknowledging what it that her privilege that she's just like it's such a privilege to be so unaffected by what's mm-hmm. happening that you mm-hmm. don't vote. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, it, it, even in that fight where she's like raging against Heather and she's like, everybody needs to, you know, shut the fuck up. Like my grandmother's dying and everybody needs to stop coming for me. Literally nobody came for you. You got up and started screaming at Heather yourself. You mm-hmm. got up and you were the one that had the tantrum. Nobody else did. You're the one that's doing the acting out. And then you're mad at people for responding to you acting out. If you even compare it to when they were at the vineyard and she said to Ramona, like the whole plasma thing, and mm-hmm. she didn't get the reaction out of people that she was looking for. So then she started being like, oh, so you guys think I'm the crazy one. It's like, well, first of all, you're acting crazy. So that's probably why people think that you're acting like the asshole. But she's always doing things, expecting a particular reaction. And when she doesn't get that reaction, she lashes out. And that's what's ha- what we're seeing with Leah. It's wild to watch. Another thing that was absolutely <laughs> wild is Ebony may have a long lost sister, a la mm. Melissa. <laughs> Poor Gorga. Ebony, but is Ebony the long lost sister of Melissa Gorga? That's oh, what that I want is to the- <laughs> That would be something. And then look at how many sisters she would get. Her her family would triple in size. Yeah. That would be a perfect uh, story thread that's nicely tied in a bow. But of course, they won't give us that. No. Well, also, it's not real. <laughs> but, you know, I think that we also, it's much more of a, a real story than Melissa Gorga being like, I went to a, you know, a psychic and the psychic, psychic said something. And there was once a lady that was at a funeral and we don't remember who that lady was. So maybe that was somebody. It's like, no, this is a woman that has said that your picture was on my grandmother's mantle for as long as I've known her, <laughs> you know, like, I think that's a much more realistic thing, yeah. but it's just like, even though I liked it, it was kind of one of those things like, Ebony, I don't know if you need this this, this season. Like, maybe save this storyline for next keep, season. Keep this in your back pocket. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't need to throw it all out on the table right now. Well, we like you. Know. you. You're going to stick yeah. around. Um, yeah. Another thing that was just absolutely wild to watch was Ramona meeting with a broker to try and get in as a real estate agent. And the entire conversation was about things that you can't say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Example, master yeah. bedroom. Okay. Yeah. That one I I get, but yeah. people still say it, right? Yeah. yeah. But when she said, Oh, you can't say steps to the park, I mean that <laughs> You know, the thing with Ramona is a lot of people will get um, upset with somebody like they can watch somebody like Ramona or not Ramona herself, but people like her, you know, doing certain things to make sure that they're saying the right things and they might view it as, Oh, well, she's just afraid of being canceled. Here's my thoughts on it. It's like, if she's going above and beyond to make sure she doesn't say the words that could potentially be problematic, not because she actually thinks it's problematic, not because she probably thinks it's hurting someone, but probably because she's afraid she's not going to make a sale. Even though those are the reasons for it and those aren't good reasons for it. I'm like, at least she's, stopping saying those words so it's like i have to give her some credit for trying yeah it's at the very least it's going to be part and parcel of her vocabulary yeah forward yeah if it it makes her stop saying something then it's like okay don't say it that's fine that's like a tiny win but it's it's still a win yeah i also wonder just from an 
personal interest thing. Is this something that a lot of realtors are discussing? Or have I just been watching really old reruns of HGTV? Because they say (laughs) his and hers bathrooms, his and hers closets all the time. And I swear they're not that old of reruns. Yeah. Yeah. I I, Also, well, you know, unfortunately, the king and queen of HGTV just donated to... (laughs) Oh yeah, the like an anti CRT, uh, like education <laughs> board person. Yeah. But but isn't that his sister? I don't know if it makes it better. Yes. <laughs> I I think <laughs> it might make it worse. It might make it worse. <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh. But yeah, I mean, HGTV has never quite been. Um, it, it's it sometimes feels like it's very progressive, but then sometimes I'm like, what am I watching? And why is this couple on my screen? Like, I'm not talking much about Joanna, but just like other people that are like on right. House Hunters. I'm like, yeah. mm, you seem like you voted wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So then we finally get to Election Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do get to see um, a very cute scene between Martin, the boxing coach, and Sonia, which I thought was great. And I'm hoping yeah. to see more of Sonia come out of her shell. But fast forward to Election Day. So we actually get footage of all of the women, I think, voting at their polling place, with the exception of Sonia. I don't think we saw Sonia. Maybe she voted early. She may have voted early. Maybe. She and then uh, Luann voted in Sag Harbor. Is that where she went? But don't, no lines. I was like, yeah. Are you saying no one voted in Sag Harbor? <laughs> I think everyone voted early. Yeah, maybe maybe Sonia early. used one of those envelopes uh, where she just yeah. crossed out the, the address. <laughs> <laughs> re- reuse, reduce, recycle the envelopes. <laughs> That no, so that funny. would that would be illegal. That wouldn't be a proper way to vote. <laughs> um, and Ebony's election party and that poor friend of hers that had to sit through it. Oh now, I'm not sure what was more shocking, the fact that Luann showed up dressed as JFK or the fact that um, Leah's dog Angel just got up on all the furniture and was eating the food. I'm very anti-dogs eating human food and being behaving in a way that humans behave and i'm sorry i'll i don't think humans like get on coffee tables (laughs) well (laughs) baby humans do like children oh yes so yeah i just uh i'm not really a dog person arthi is the dog person in our podcast but um it was just like watching it, watching Leah's dog do those things and then leah just sitting there and allowing it ironic I think it was Luann that said this dog is just like Leah, just completely yes. unhinged. Yes. There's, <laughs> it's just wild to see someone not discipline their dog, but also bring their dog to someone else's house and not discipline exactly. them. It's that one thing when it's your own me. home. Yeah. It's one thing if they are misbehaving in your own home and we, as uh, your friend, visit you and we leave and we're like, oh, my God. There's no control. It's like just like with kids, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They are messing up in your own home and there's no discipline. That's one thing. But then for you to bring your kid into my house and not discipline them while they are going running, uh, running around, wrecking the house, breaking things, I would feel the same way. Yeah. I would be like, I'm never inviting this person over again. And also, I'm going to, I'm like this close to disciplining the child myself. Yeah. And if it means that I lose this friendship, it might 
be okay. I might be okay. <laughs> so be it. Yeah. So be it. Yeah. It, it was really rough. It was tough to watch. Just like it was tough to watch Sonia have another one too many drinks and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, she just flips. Her entire yeah. personality changes, how she speaks changes. Um, but she did say that she thinks that the reason Ramona posted a picture with Ebony was to make Ramona look better. <laughs> so I'm on, shocked that Ebony didn't think of that right away. Like, well, here's wh- the thing. Why is Ebony shocked? <laughs> I think that, I think, I don't think that Ebony was shocked by it, but I think that what is more shocking is show. So we see in the footage that Sonia goes on and on and on and on. And I think that in that moment, suddenly it becomes less about Ramona is being, um, problematic and trying to be fake on social media and it goes into more Sonia doesn't like that Ramona is even faking being nice to people of color mm-hmm. it suddenly sort of changes it up it's kind of like going up to a, a black person and being like oh I know that person was nice to you but they don't really like you it mm-hmm. kind of it kind of makes like a person of color feel like, wait, what do you mean? Why would you tell me that? Yeah. Now you are making me feel icky. Not yes. Right. Exactly. I felt like that too. Also, I met Bershawn a few weeks ago in DC. So she's from DC, which I didn't realize. Um, She lives in New York, but she comes back a lot. And I was talking to her very briefly and I was like, well, who did you vibe with the most? Like from the cast, you know, who did you really feel a connection with? And she's like, honestly, Ramona. That's interesting. And I was like, and this is no cameras around. No, you know, nothing like that. And she said like from her soul, like she really connected with Ramona and, um, you know, it is what it is. So when you see like, oh, Ramona's posting all these pictures with Bershawn, that might be because the two of them get along for whatever reason. It mm. could be. And also Leah's like, oh, I've never seen a picture. I'm not on um, Ramona's Instagram. And Leah is on a Ramona's she Instagram. She is. Leah's the so worst. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't get over how I really liked her last season. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't think she was like, perfect but i thought she was perfect for housewives right Mm -hmm. and then to this season everything she does annoys me because she feels like she's lecturing everybody like what she is saying that heather does it's actually she's doing that she's trying to explain to everyone why she's so woke and better than everyone and smarter than everyone and is calling out the bullshit on the left and the right and it's like yeah girl this is just sit down yeah, she doesn't seem like somebody who actually has an opinion about th- how things should be, but more so enjoys having a platform where she can complain about how bad things are. You know what I mean? Always, and I think yeah. that's that's really annoying. That's a super annoying type of like faux wokeness. Um, also, we don't talk about it enough. And um, I was just listening to Dumpster Dive and Taria – and Jonathan Chandler, Chandler and Tom were talking about um, the photo shoot that I remember seeing last year, which really turned me off to Leah. And it's a Married to the Mob photo shoot from like 10 years ago. And it's Leah um, pretending to like get like railed essentially by a man in an ape suit. And, you know, what? the the implication what? there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember seeing that last year. I'm going to text Tari about... Oh, no, she's at a wedding right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'll wait till tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, text Tom about it. But, um, you know, I... I remember seeing that and, and it sort of sullied me to Leah. I enjoyed watching her on the cast just because of her, the dynamic between her and Ramona, that sort of bratty child and annoyed mother mm-hmm. thing, which I do think is interesting to watch. But Leah as a person never quite gelled with me because, yeah, I, I, you are, you're selling clothing that you call streetwear. You're selling t-shirts with black women's mugshots on it. You're doing these things and you have this really horrible photo shoot that I think she's tried to bury into the social media like (laughs) backlog somewhere and it doesn't come up as much but I think that the way she's behaving this season it just feels like she's tagging along with with Ebony um and Ebony feels to me like she is allowing Leah to be that person until maybe her relationship with Sonia is strong enough where she might not need a Leah anymore I don't know, but Ebony seems to co-sign Leah's behavior and so and and not get upset with Leah for things she'll get upset with other yeah. uh, the other women for. Oh, yeah. And so that doesn't feel that great. Yes. Still like Ebony, but yeah. you know, I think I think we I, need I some more housewives so on this show so that we can see some changes in the relationship dynamics. Because right. that's yeah. what I'm looking for. For sure. Right. I think we need one or two more housewives. I think there. we need like four. <laughs> we need to get rid of some then I think we just need I think New York was always best when it was a cast of seven or eight Mm. that's what I believe and I will stick to it I feel like it's a fast moving city and I feel like it needs a fast moving cast with like lots of different things happening and lots of relationship Mm -hmm. dynamics and when the smaller the cast gets the less we get to see like when we got to see Dorinda and Carol like pair up yeah. and become yeah. close. That was an unexpected pairing. And I really yeah. appreciated that. I like seeing these unexpected pairs, Ebony and Sonia, you know, people who find something that connects them. And when you only have five, you can't really get that. Yeah. yeah like we're not going to be getting scenes of like R- Ramona and Leah going out to lunch. And there's only so much we can, so many times we can watch Sonia and Ramona or Ramona and uh, Luann go out together. We've seen this for 11 years, 12 years, whatever. I think that we're kind of overwatching those two together. Even this season in the beginning when you saw Luann and Ramona pretend like they were like best of friends. I was like, even you guys don't believe this. Like even (laughs) you guys know this is weird. So I don't know what we're watching, you know, so I agree. Yeah, I think we need somebody like uh, the first and second season Dorinda. Not the yes. final season, yes. Dorinda, but no, the first exactly. few seasons of Dorinda. We need somebody else like that. Someone maybe in their mid to upper 40s who can like bridge mm-hmm. the gap between right. the women in their upper 30s and, um, you know, just about Medicare age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm counting down till she becomes Medicare eligible. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say I... I know, obviously, as we all age, the housewives will become closer to my age um, than they were when the when I first started watching Housewives. But there's something that I have to – I don't know. I don't love seeing housewives in their 30s. Oh, I don't want to see it. Like, same. even – I like Ebony, even though Ebony's, like, 37. Like, she's very young. Um, I like seeing her, but there's a maturity to Ebony because of – because women of color often have to be. Um, 
So I do appreciate it, but that's why I never really like Leah. Leah's like 38 or 39. Like she's not, I just feel like there's not enough life experience for there to be the sort of like, like the type of housewife that we're looking for on these shows, but especially in New York. In New York, we need that like kind of older vibe. That's how I feel. I think the only time you have a housewife that's younger that works is if they are a person of color. And I don't know why it's like an Ashley Darby works. Um, I don't know (laughs) if she's like seen a lot or what makes her like fit in. But like they have to be able to mesh with women in their 50s. Ashley Darby has seen a lot of age. She has a lot of age spots. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I think Ashley is like the youngest and yet she (laughs) – you know, and She's I seen know a lot of wrinkles. She's seen a lot of wrinkles. She's seen a lot of age spots. It perturbs you. And I, but I felt this even before we met, met Michael. Do you know, mm-hmm. like before we met Michael, we she was still. Remember, they called her like that hoe over there, and they didn't like yeah. her at that party. She still something was captivating about her, and I feel like the women tend to be much younger on Potomac, which is my favorite franchise. Yes, but in general, my favorite housewives are always older. I agree. And I think the reason why it works with people of color and you see it also in Atlanta where you do have a little bit of an age difference is because in circles with people of color, the aunties and nieces, right? Mm -hmm. This dynamic of older women, younger women, we all grow up that way. Um, In specific communities, when you have this sort of deep culture, you do end up having a lot of these um, bonds with women who are a little bit older than you. So like, I know, like I have my mom's friends and I can totally sit and I can talk to them for hours and hours and hours and it's not a big deal and it's not weird at all. Arthi was in Jersey last mm-hmm. last weekend and we, my mom came over and we just like sat up and talked um, to my mom who's in her 60s until very late into the night and it felt very natural um, because I think that we all always grow up that way when women are also always together I think you sort of end up naturally having these connections so somebody like Ashley I think she fits in with the older women in Potomac specifically like even though she like fights with Karen like crazy I think it fits because it's like it's sort of like you know enough how to respect your elders, but also bring them down to your level and also go up to their level. Like there's just a dynamic that works there. And I don't think that we're necessarily seeing that in New York, definitely between Leah and Ramona, because there's too much of like a you're a child and I'm an adult. And it's like too rigid for yeah. it to fit. It's like right. your your um your group of friends and your connections are different than mine. Yeah, and we don't socialize together. Yeah, yeah. There's very little socialized social activities that include younger between women generations. And, yeah, then there's me who still plays mahjong with my mother's mahjong groups, even though my mom <laughs> died five and a half years ago. <laughs> but I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. But also, like, I wonder if that's also because um, because of the Jewish background. Yeah. I just always liked my mom's friends and wanted to be around adults. I thought kids didn't have interesting things to talk about until like <laughs> high school, college. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah, always I like, can we talk about welfare reform? What is going on right now? <laughs> I love it. You know, I was in grade school and I was like following that shit. My, my mom thought something was deeply wrong with me. <laughs> Speaking of Mahjong, 
If we head over to Beverly Hills, we actually see Rob and Crystal play Mahjong with their kids, which made me really excited. And I really want to know more about how they play, because the way Jews play Mahjong is very bizarre. It's the same game, but we get a card every year from this, like, Mahjong group. It's like a – I have my card here. It is – the National Mahjong League, and <laughs> and ev- and so for each year, that's they're, official. Yeah, and this is the eighty fourth year. This is the card uh, for twenty twenty one, and you have these different um, hands that you can play, and they change by year. And so I want to know if you're not playing with this kind of card, like how do you know the hands? <laughs> I've like always wanted to know this, and th- I know that there's message. like. There's like a Jewish way and there's a Chinese way to play Mahjong. And I just desperately need to know all the differences and similarities. Amazing. Oh, wow. I didn't know there was a Jewish way to play, play Mahjong in the first place. I did yeah. not know that. And I think you can figure out the other ways. The, the Jewish way is just like you pay for this card and, and you, you're not allowed to photocopy it. It's like a crime. <laughs> 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 and and then it, it, you, it shows you the hands and how much they're worth because you oh. pay each other for it. Interesting. Anyways, um, so we finally get the Housewife and the Hustler this week. Did you guys get a chance to watch? I did watch it. I did not. But I now after talking to everybody about it, I don't want to watch it. I feel like I'm going to <laughs> There's be, nothing new. I'm going it? to yeah. be sad and I don't want to be sad mm-hmm. <laughs> and angry and not be able to do anything about it. I mean, we got rid of Kelly Dodd. What do we have to do as a community to get rid of Erica? Yeah. If we're going to have a GoFundMe for, you know, where uh, where, um, just 10,000 people need to donate $100, maybe we should do that for the victims of freaking Tom Girardi's bullshit and not Jen Shah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Jen Shah's GoFundMe got taken off. Thankfully. Yeah. (laughs) This stuff is so interesting. I'm really interested to see how things progress with Erica because I listened to, oh my God, I can't remember the name of the attorney who was on Kate Casey's podcast this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he Mm -hmm. basically said... Richard something. No, uh, something Edelman or... Jay Jay Edelman? Jay Edelman, yeah. And he was saying that it's like, Erica's not going to get, he doesn't believe criminally in trouble. But civilly, she is going to get sued for everything she is worth. And that is what I want to watch. And that's why I want her to stay on the show, because I want to see how she handles losing everything. Yes, I agree. I want to see it. I'm interested. I want to see if we can tear back enough to actually find out the core of who she is as a person. Because thus far, all she's given us is glossy wealth. It's like cars and outfits like that who people, is she yeah I, I think it's going I don't I don't want to see because I think if we peel off all of those glam layers I think she's not very interesting so I don't think there's going to be much to see there and I don't want to pay her and give her more money to see her show me nothing I think that's what I feel yeah. like we're going to get nothing out of it and we saw I nothing watch it because I like to <laughs> well, I like I want to watch it because of the, you know, schadenfreude of it all. Like, I do think that that's interesting to me. 
And it's, it's not like this money is going to her. It's going to no. eventually get to these victims. It's just yeah. <laughs> any money she makes, I think, is going to eventually go to these so people. Us, you're saying that us watching her on, on the show is the GoFundMe. I believe that yeah. we are going to get that man all of his surgeries yeah. through that. I really believe because they're going to sue her and... Yeah. You know, at, she took twenty million from for her company from him. I don't understand how you take money from your husband's company. It's not mm-hmm. coming from your personal checking account to your company. It's coming from his company to yeah. your company. That's yeah. not kosher, okay? Yeah, and it doesn't take a rabbi to figure that out, okay? <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, um, I agree. I had some questions for you guys about the election party that Kyle throws, which I think was a better election party than Ebony's, um, mainly because everyone seemed to be on the same page about yeah. what they wanted to have happen. Yes, there was I agree. food. There was food. I think Eb- Ebony's. I didn't see much enough food. Well, the dogs had started eating it, so I, yeah, I know that's true. That's it right. wouldn't be fun to see to see the people. Um, why don't you think Harry Hamlin and Rick Hilton showed up? Harry Hamlin had um, farming to do. He's clearly setting up a post-apocalyptic cult of some sort, which I'm ready to sign up for. Um, But and Rick Hilton Hilton wasn't wasn't there because Mauricio and him are not friends. Are they still like Rick Hilton was in um, it was in Sutton's, um, you know, in her store trying to rearrange the furniture and make sure the the bathroom was gone. (laughs) Kathy went there again. <laughs> it's just interesting because Harry does film, but he never films with the group. And I wonder if there's some sort of stipulation there where it's like, Ooh, I will do scenes with you, true. but I won't do yeah. scenes with everyone else. And yeah. I wonder if the reason that um, Kathy is a friend of is because they don't show her family. Mm, that's possible. Yeah. Anyways, um, Rob seems so nice and seems to fit in really well with PK and Maurizio. Yeah, I thought was really sweet. But did you find it just slightly annoying that when he talked to Crystal the next day, he was like, Sutton was so sweet. She was really nice to me. Um, That's like very much happened in my real life where I for sure am not the nice one in my marriage. And I will like have beef with someone and my husband will like, you know, have a very polite exchange with them at like a gathering. And I'll be like, I can't believe you. Or I'll be like, yeah, I saw you talking to so-and-so. Wasn't she so annoying? And my husband's like, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, she was fine or like whatever. Like he'll just kind of brush it off. And I'm like, oh, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say that she sucks. Right. (laughs) It was just interesting seeing the guys talk too because Maurizio was like, oh, yeah, wasn't it that like Sutton walked in when she was changing? And I'm like, okay, yeah, that happened. And I think that was also traumatizing in some way. But Uh also Sutton was just started crying when when Crystal was ex- sharing her experiences being an Asian American. Yeah. I mean that yeah. to me was the real issue. Yeah, it was so weird. It was so weird that Maurizio got that part of it but not the other part where it was like I heard that Sutton had a giant roller that she kept putting on her yeah. face and like was being real weird around the ladies. Like I'm surprised that that wasn't like carried over Indeed. in the conversation, yeah. but I did like the little like husband's powwow because we don't see that anywhere else except for New Jersey. And it's nice to see that sort of like husband sit around and talk about what's going on in the girl circle Mm -hmm. in Beverly Hills because 
back when um, Paul Nassif was on and we had uh, Ken and all that, you would see a little bit of that with the husband sitting around and talking to each other. But we haven't seen that in a long time. And I like seeing it again. Me too. Oh, I miss Paul was fun. Ken is. Like, I liked him more than, you know, I loved seeing him way more than I liked seeing Adrian. Same. Because he was more honest about things. She she couldn't show her real life. She just, it was too much. Um, Crystal opens up about losing five pounds. And Mm -hmm. everyone's immediate response is, hallelujah. Thank (laughs) God. Wow. Good for you. And then she's like, and I'm a recovering bulimic. So maybe don't cheer for that. It was yeah. just, it was so. Also, so, so Rina um, compliments her first. And then when she says bulimic, so Rina immediately flips back to my daughter and her anorexia story. Right? Like, it is. It like, was like Rina, whiplash. Just, like yeah. they didn't even realize that them cheering for her losing weight is mm-hmm. not a positive thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Unless the person is saying, I lost weight and I worked really hard and I would yeah. like to be complimented, you know? Yeah. Oh, that was just, it was just interesting to see <laughs> her talk about eating disorders in a room full of women that clearly struggle with them. Oh, yeah. And yeah. won't be honest about it. it yeah. I've never really seen Rinna eat. I will say this. If you think about Rena throughout the years on the show, she rarely is eating. She talks a lot about food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She gets really excited about food. But we don't ever really see a lot of the women eating on Real Houses of Beverly Hills. They're always yeah. at a dinner. There's usually food. It's a very beautiful table. They show them drinking a lot. But a lot of the other shows, like a lot of the other franchises, you always like New York, they're eating. They're getting mm-hmm. drunk in, Jersey, in New York they're and they're eating. eating. Yeah. Jersey, they are eating. eating. Atlanta, they're eating. Potomac, Potomac they're, eating. they're eating. But Beverly Hills is the one, you know, the one um, franchise that you rarely ever see the women eating. I- I'll never forget. They always go to Kyle's barbecue. And there's like that scene of like Erica and barbecue, Rina. In quotes. Yeah, Erica <laughs> and Rena being like, you know, I love to have a hot dog once a year. It's like yeah. you have you want to have one hot dog once a year. Like even like the thought of that, like, oh, they're limiting themselves to that one. Erica is really going above and beyond to be like cool and normal for like this season and even last season by talking more and more about how she loves to eat food. Like she's always eating. And I think she like even um when they were in Tahoe, they come back to cookies and donuts and Rina always does this. She gets really excited when something is displayed. She's like, oh, my God, it looks so good. Are you kidding me? And then it always cuts to somebody else eating it. Yeah. There's something with Rina and her daughter's anorexia that – and this is, like, so inappropriate of me to say – that reminds me, not exactly, but just, like, gives me vibes of like munchausen's by proxy like like something where like she can't talk about her own food issues so she's talking about her daughter's Mm -hmm. food issues yes Mm -hmm. yeah i completely understand what you're saying and it almost feels like maybe she's doing it so that people think that oh no so rena doesn't have that problem because she look how much she cares about her daughter being a recovering you know anorexic and all that kind of stuff it almost makes her makes the narrative changes the narrative to be that Rinna is um 
that Rena doesn't have the eating disorder. It's her daughter that does. I totally, I totally know what you're saying. Yes. Ugh, it's just so uncomfortable. The whole yeah. thing is so uncomfortable. Another super uncomfortable thing is watching Kyle and Dorit argue. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, our thoughts are that I think that Kyle is trying to like make fetch happen, you know, this season again. I don't think that that's like an authentic yeah. real fight that they're having. I think that she found a way to like stay interesting with Dorit. And I think that Dorit sees through it. And Dorit's like, this is dumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy so remember, into your narrative. And mm-hmm. If you think yeah. about the Lucy Lucy apple juice, Dorit did not start it, <laughs> did not propagate it, did not end it. It was all Kyle and Teddy and all Lisa Vanderpump. And Dorit was just a pawn in the whole damn thing. So Dorit is like, that is so silly. And you, we got so much backlash from that. I don't want to be in uh, Kyle's corner when she starts the fake fight like this again. Yeah. I don't want to be there and I'm going to lose my job if I stick with Kyle on that. So she's like, nah, not interested. Yeah. I mean, Dorit makes a whole lot of sense when she's like, I feel like you don't value what I say as much as you value what you have to say. And that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I do think one of the funniest things was Dorit getting ready, ready to leave. And then PK being like, but we haven't eaten yet. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, you had a burger an hour and a half ago. She does say that. (laughs) Listen, the diabetes four that he's going through. He looks good, though. He looks really good. I think he's been eating well. I think he's been working out. It's not easy. And it also makes him hungry all the time. Exactly. He's eating. He needs to eat every 90 minutes for the metabolism (laughs) that he's got going on. Oh, my God. And her outfit, which just with the vote, you know, clip in her hair, but nothing else was patriotic about it, was, was pretty classic. Yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's like Stacy Stacy Dash's outfit from Clueless, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> not Cher's. Not Cher. Cher's is yellow, and I think that I forgot her character's name. As long as she doesn't vote like Stacy Dash, we're all good. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So um, they then like the whole week goes by, and what's interesting is like, you don't see any of their anxiety, even though like the whole collective country was just having so much anxiety. And then it culminates at them going to Sutton's house, which is really Kyle's house, to have mm. this Parisian lunch and display of some of her store. And mm. I was just excited to see Garcelle and Crystal acknowledge the fact that by yeah. the only ones because it was that day. It was that yeah. day. Yeah. You know? And I, it was the only ones yeah. that acknowledged it. The others didn't care. I yeah. think they did. I think they didn't want to be seen talking about it. And yeah. I think Kyle's way of talking about it in a positive way was framing it as, oh, there's a female vice president and this is important because I have four daughters. Because you know her mother-in-law is this crazy Trump supporter. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so I think it was – I think she tries to not talk about, like many families – you know, not go into detail with politics because she doesn't want to upset her mother-in-law. Yeah. I do think it's kind of strange that Beverly Hills hasn't talked about this. I mean, we did, the Kavanaugh thing came up, right, Mm -hmm. a couple seasons Mm -hmm. ago. But generally, Beverly Hills has not really done a lot of election or politics talk. And it's not like we've never been around um, in that time of the year. I do think that they usually film 
later in the year for Beverly Hills. We usually get a New Year's party or a Christmas party or something like that at Beverly Hills. So I do think that it's interesting that they chose this year to be the year that they talk about it, but they never did in the past. And I don't I don't know if that was like a conscious Bravo decision or what, but I mean, I hope that in future seasons, like future whatever years of Bravo, we do see more politics and election stuff built in if it's the natural thing that's happening at that time. Right. And it's pretty hard to avoid like this particular election. Yes. You know, but um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else big that happened. I mean, the only thing that I really loved this episode truly loved was when they were all sitting around waiting for Erica to show up and Garcelle's like, do you really think she filed? I mean, like, shouldn't she wait? (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know Garcelle is authentic because these are definitely things that all of the women think. Mm -hmm. But Garcelle's the only one that says it. You know, even Garcelle, when she met um, Erica the first time, she was like, how's the sex? Because that's immediately what you think of when you think about her being married, her being a super sexual person, being married to this significantly older man. Your yeah. whole persona as Erica Jane is like the sex positive, like fembot type thing. And you are not going to talk about your relationship in that way with your husband. You know, it's right. and even like she was kind of defensive about it with Garcelle. It is just you. It's why I like Garcelle on the show, because she does say the things I kind of wish that Lisa Vanderpump was still on, because I think it would be really interesting to see LVP and Garcelle together doing things. Yeah, that would be interesting. And for as obnoxious as Lisa was, and as much as she wouldn't let anyone talk about her, she would mm-hmm. call out everyone else's bullshit, um, or she would make others call it out, which is really what she did. But, yeah. you know, it's just like, I, why go on these shows with something to hide? Yeah, I, I think my favorite thing about LVP used to be that she would have these pretty little parties, and then she would sort of drop enough bombs leading up to the party where you knew the women were going to squabble. And then you would always cut to her holding a teacup and sort of leaning back into her chair and just like watching it happen. And it always Mm -hmm. made me laugh because I was like, but that's also me right now, leaning back into the couch, holding onto my cup, (laughs) drinking tea and watching these women fight. So I know people don't like Lisa Vanderpump and I know that she's like such a pain in the butt and she's, has her dog show and her weird show on E that got like no, no views. Um, And she also has some strange new set of teeth and she's like really gone off the deep end, but I do miss her on the show. I really do. I thought that she was really, um, she was, she was another auntie that I think that we needed. And I like Kathy this season because Kathy is an auntie. Kathy's like the ultimate auntie. And we really love that. (laughs) Kathy is my ultimate favorite. I mean, I watched maybe it was like a, five or 10 minute Instagram live that she did this week where she, she was just so, I don't know who was there with her, like what assistant she has, if they're her grandkids, her kids, I have no idea. And someone, she like (laughs) found out what goat meant. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, from Kyle, and so so then someone handed her, like, she's like, you know, it turns out that I've got this goat charm. Where, where did it go? Like, you know, and then they bring her and she has it just like wearing it on her head. It's it. She's so all over the place. 
And it's so fun, and she's so kooky, and I just almost want a show of just following her around because yeah, I I cannot tell. I still cannot tell if it is if it is real or fake. Oh, I think it's very real because I know so many women like her. (laughs) I mean, if you've ever met a Jewish auntie, I mean, it is. I said last week that my mom had a lot of Kathy Hilton energy, like not in that way but in with technology like truly bewildered by technology by everything like laughing confused like all of that my mom used to um have her phone number taped to the back of her phone (laughs) so if anyone ever asked her her number she would just turn around and be like oh and then she would like put on her readers (laughs) (laughs) you know and that is very kathy hilton like what's my what's my maybe my mom always would call me and she'd be like and now i can't even call you to ask you my password because i need my password to call you she's like that's why we have a landline (laughs) you know kathy hilton as you're talking about her being like such an auntie i think that in some alternate universe um i think karen huger is like the east coast kathy hilton yeah like she has that same sort of like disgruntled sort of confusion over uh over technology this air of like I get to walk into a room and comment on 50,000 things that nobody invited me to talk about Um, and also like just just sort of this like elder auntie energy and I love it I think I think that if um if Kathy Hilton ever got if the Hiltons ever got into it with tax issues and they lost their money Kathy would very much be a Karen Huger Oh man, and that's where we're gonna end it, folks. That was that was so hilarious. Thank you guys so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Um, tell everyone where they can find your podcast and where they can find you guys on social media. Oh, thank you so much for having us on here. You can find us everywhere on social media at the Reality Is Pod. Uh, we have episodes on Wednesdays to talk about Shaws of Sunset, Married to Medicine. We have a Friday bonus that we started doing because uh, Family Karma is so good. So we do a Friday drop of our Family Karma discussion. And then Saturdays are our Housewives episodes where we talk about all things Housewives. Um, We're everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everything like that. And yeah, you could just... One of us is usually on one application. If you're going to message us on Twitter, it's usually Arthi. If you message us on Instagram, it's usually me, Noor. So... That's it. Yeah, but yeah, Nora's more prompt and knows what she's doing. I, I am Kathy Hilton with all of those, all of those. I don't even know how to introduce our own podcast, as you can see. Nora does that. I would be like, uh, the reality somewhere is. Arthi needs to tape the, um, yeah, the name of our podcast down. on the back of your phone. So that exactly you can- on my mic or on the back of the I was just thinking as you were saying that, Mandy, I was thinking, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> right? It, I mean, it is. It is brilliant. But just the fact that it was like scotch taped, like on a piece of that's scrap brilliant. paper. I was like, I don't have to go. Oh, I don't have to go into settings and about phone and figure out what. Yeah. So funny. Thank you so much for having us. This was fun. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for for being on. And um, well, I'm excited to meet up at some point. And I'm glad that we've we've met finally. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Mandy.